Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. I pray this week's sermon will guide you into a deeper understanding of the greatest news in the entire world, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We value the local church at Central Baptist, so while we are thrilled that you are streaming this sermon, we want to make sure that this never replaces your commitment to the local body of believers. If you are in the Maysville area, I am personally inviting you to be a guest at one of our weekly services. Come and join us. I promise you will love it. We are a church committed to loving God, loving each other, and loving our world. So if God is using this to impact your life, please consider partnering with us in spreading the message of Jesus to everyone on the earth. I hope this message helps fix your eyes on Jesus and drives you deeper into the gospel. Well, it's March may not look like it outside, but it is March, and it is, uh, for me, one of the more exciting times of the year, in part because the weather begins to change. Yes, we still have some cool days, some nasty weather, but you also get those days where I call it shorts weather. You can wear, you know, you can wear shorts. You're not, you don't have to bundle up in order to go outside. But what I am most excited for uh, in March is, is March Madness basketball time and come the end of the month you will find me glued to the tv watching endless hours of, of basketball games it is a it is a, in my mind one of the best holidays of, of the year um, because you don't just get one day it's like you get a whole month of of really really good basketball you know in march that's when teams really begin begin clicking all right it says you know you've heard it said you want to peak at at the right time you don't want to you don't want to peak back in november or december but you want your team to peak going into into march madness it's when when teams players get get used to one another and they 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 learn each other and they're, they're no longer you know trying to to come together they they're 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 beginning to click and everything is starting to to come into uh into to focus and and they have that goal in mind of of winning the national championship you know it's some teams and coaches get to know the, the players and know what uh, what works and what what does not. And sometimes there's kids on a team that you know what they just don't work with one another. And what they do is either they're no longer on the team or they are the guys that end up sitting the bench. All right, and you find the the five, six, seven players that that come together and they almost stick together like glue. And a big part of that is. You know what, they're not out there to play for themselves, but they realize the team that they are a part of. And what's amazing is many times through their sacrifice, the team is able to excel. Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the book of Acts chapter 4. We'll be looking at the end of uh, Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 32, going through Acts chapter 5, verse 11. No, if you've been around, you know that I, I typically uh, preach through through books of of the Bible. We started out in First Thessalonians, and now we are going through through the book of of Acts. I don't think it's the only way to preach. Uh, you know, there are many ways to faithfully preach God's God's word. But I am am amazed at how through systematically preaching through books of the Bible that that the Holy Spirit can bring the right message at at the right time, and I believe that he has done that, done that today. Now, we're looking at the early church, 
And we're still, the church is still in its infancy. To be honest, they, they haven't really had many problems in the church thus far until we get to the until uh, Acts chapter 5. And we see kind of the first case of issues coming about in, in the church. And, it, and the problem is when that sin enters the church, it can threaten the unity in, in the church. And we're going to see how the church and how God deals with this sin in the church. Our title is United Together. And the church is indeed called to be united. We don't unite among our looks or among what we have, but we unite in, in the gospel. So let's start in verse 32. We read, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that of any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they held everything, or they had everything in common. Now we, 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 we looked at this a little bit back in Acts 2. Uh, when the, the, when the, the church and the disciples, they, they, they sold all that they had and they kind of combined their, their money to help those in, in need. And we see this continued on as well in in this passage. And as I said back then, this is not some form of, of early communism where the government held everything and, and they, 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 everybody was equal and they all got the, the, the same amount. That's not what is, is teaching here. All right? And one, because the giving is, is voluntary. All right? the, they did not force these people to, to, to give. And at the same time, people did not abandon all of their possessions. We, we know throughout the, the church and in the New Testament that people did indeed own homes. All right? And they, they had possessions. Now, some people felt, and we're going to see this with a guy named Barnabas, uh, that uh, they decided to, 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 to sell their, their own land and homes and to give that to the church so that they might give it to those who were in, in need. But in verse 33, we see, And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and a great grace was upon them all. Now, Paul and, and John were, were, were just before the, the, the Sanhedrin, right? and, and the Sanhedrin had told them to, to quit talking about this Jesus guy. To stop talking about the resurrection from the dead, for the, uh, the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. And they were causing a ruckus among the Jewish people in Jerusalem. But we see here that the apostles had great power. Now we know this is not their own power, it is the power that comes through the Holy Spirit. But they were sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to those people in, in Jerusalem. We see that a great grace was upon them. I uh, picked up a, a book by a guy named Mark Cahill. You may be familiar with He's an evangelist. Uh, I came to know Mark Cahill back when I was in high school at an FCA leadership retreat up at Henry County High School. And I remember seeing Mark uh, talk and the passion that he had for, for sharing his faith. It was very contagious. And so some years later, I came reconnected to him through his works. And he wrote a book called One Thing You Can't Do in Heaven. And that one thing that you can't do in heaven is share the gospel. Because it's too late at that point. But one of the things that uh, I love about Mark Hales in his book, it's full of stories of him going out and sharing the gospel with, with others. 
He's got a, a great testimony. He is a, a basketball player. He played at Auburn University. And, uh, and he was a, a good shooter, but he wasn't going to go on to the NBA, or he's not known for his, his basketball playing. But in his book, he tells a story of he was going out to, to Arizona, to Phoenix, to do a, a college retreat to speak to the college students about evangelism. And while he was, while he was there, he, he called up an old, old friend of his to, to see about getting together. For when he was at, at Auburn, he played basketball with, with Charles Barkley. And uh, in fact, they were so close that on their away trips, most of the time they would, they would room together. And if you know anything about Charles, he is, he's not a believer. Uh, and uh, uh, we enjoy seeing him, especially when it gets March Madness time. He has some great things to, to say and to liven up the, the, the talk shows. But uh, he is, is not one who has put his faith in Christ. And, and Mark A. Hill knows this. And so he thought, well, I'll, I'd like to catch up with, with Charles and maybe even have an opportunity to, to share the gospel with him again. So as he was, calling, was talking to, to Charles, he said, well, I'm going out this evening with some, some other guys. And he said, why don't you come, come along with me? And Mark says, well, I know Charles, and I know that he likes to stay out pretty late. He, when he goes out, he doesn't go, they don't eat the early dinner. They, they, they start out nine, ten o'clock and stay out till two, three, four in the morning. He said, but, but this time, he said, you know, I've got to get up in the morning and I've got to preach at, you know, nine o'clock in the morning. He's like, I, I just, I don't know if I'm going to, I think I might pass this time. But then he remembered that, that, that Charles said, you know what, some other guys are going too. So he said, what other guys are, are going to be going with you? And he said, well, me and, and, and Michael are going out. And, uh, and he said, Michael, Michael Jordan. And he's like, and so, uh, so Cahill's like, you know what? I think I'd like to meet Michael Jordan. So, you know what? I think I'll sacrifice. And so he ends up going. Well, they were at this, at this club, nightclub, and uh, kind of Mark Hale's a little out of his comfort zone being there. But he goes on into, into the club that, that night, and he goes to the back, and there's this, this uh, big old booth back there, and they've got security that is surrounded to make sure that, you know, no unauthorized people are getting close to these celebrities. And, and he goes past the security and, and ends up sitting down and, and talking with, with the guys that, that are there. And he talks about how they were, uh, the alcohol was freely flowing that night. At one point, they, they, the, the, the bartender there was, was challenging all of them to, to take these shots. And so, uh, and so they, they go into to Charles and, he, and he, he downs the shot and then they go to Michael and take the shot. And then the bartender comes over to, to him and he's like, no, I, I, I don't drink. And that's, that's, uh, you can go and pass on me. And when he said that, the, the bartender kind of looked at him again and then Charles gets up. And gets right in front of the bartender and says, look, this guy doesn't drink. Don't offer that to him again. And then they go on and they all continue drinking the rest of, of the night. And then after they, were, they closed down the bar, in fact it had already closed, but the owner said, you guys can stay here as long as, as you want. And so they, they, they go and as they're walking out to, to their cars, they go to, to Michael's car and, and, and uh, Mark Hale's honestly feeling kind of convicted. He said, here I've been here the whole night. I've not yet been able to, to share the gospel with Michael Jordan. He said, and he was praying to God as they were walking that, that somehow that he would have the opportunity to encounter he and, and this celebrity. So as they're, they're going, Michael gets to his car and Charles, or in, uh, and Mark Hale's following right behind him. And as he opens the door, he turns around and looks at Mark and he's like, well, this is my opportunity that God has, has, has given me. And so I said, Michael, I've got something to, 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 to ask you. And before he could ask the question to, to Michael, Charles comes up behind him and puts his arm around him and he said, Michael, he said, this guy is my friend. 
And he said, I don't know exactly why he, he, he mentioned that to him. He said, I kind of believe that, you know what, Charles knew that I was going to share the gospel with him. And he knew the kind of person that, that Michael was. And he wanted him to let, wanted to let him know that, that he's with me, that he is my friend. Don't you disrespect this guy. I tell this story not to, uh, you know, not to, to kind of bring it, guys, that, you know, to, with, with the celebrities and all of that. But Mark Hale, and if you know anything about it, he does not water down the message of the gospel. He has st- stood firm in his faith. And even then, among unbelievers, God showed grace to him. I think there's a principle in that for, for us because oftentimes when we are around unbelievers, we think that we need to, to act like them in order to, in order to fit in. And oftentimes we begin to compromise our beliefs so that we can be seen as, as cool among them. But oftentimes that even if unbelievers don't believe in the gospel, they respect you for what you believe. So that would be my encouragement to us is as, as we go out into the world, may we stand firm in the gospel and trust in the Holy Spirit, but may we also find favor among them. Mark Hale is not a jerk. Sometimes we as Christians can be, be, be jerks, and we are to be, to be gracious people. As we move on in, in Acts chapter 4, verse 34, it says, There was not a needy person among them, for as many were owners of lands or of houses, sold them and brought the proceeds that were sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as they had need. So we kind of, after we had that little aside in Acts 4, we pick it back up on, on giving and being generous. Now this, uh, not a needy person being among them, was an Old Testament ideal. All right? So these early Christians who were formerly Jews have adopted this among their, their, uh, their church. Now there's a couple of reasons probably why there might be some needy among them. So many of them took pilgrimages to come to the city of Jerusalem, to the synagogue for the festival that we, we, we've talked about, uh, Pentecost. And after they became believers in Christ, they likely stayed in Jerusalem to join the church there, leaving everything that they had at, at home. Some others, likely because of their faith in Christ, lost their jobs because, they, uh, because of the persecution that was coming among the, the, the Christians there. So this isn't a giving of somebody who's made some poor life choices and, you know, we're just kind of helping to, to, to feed their their habit. No, it is because of, of these Christians who have sacrificed their earthly, um, their, their earthly, whether it be jobs or possessions. And so others who have great have given that so that there is no needy person among them. And what did they do with the proceeds that they received from their the, the sales? They, they laid it at the apostles' feet. They gave it to the leaders. They had trust in their apostles to do what was right and to distribute it to each as they, they had need. You know, sometimes in our, in our giving, we give with, with conditions. We give in a means that, that, that you know what, I'm going to be generous, but only if you do this for me or if you give it to this certain, certain thing. And so in the, in the church here, we begin to see kind of how the, the structure of the church takes, takes place. 
And it has uh, leaders, and we see these are the apostles. Now, we might say, so, so the apostles, just this, this uh, small group of people, did everything, and they were completely in control. Well, as we'll see later in the book of, of Acts, they ended up giving this control away. They did not want to be in charge of, of the money. They gave that, that's why they, they created deacons, to be able to, to, to care for these, these possessions, and to give the money that is, is out. But the money was not given with, with conditions. And we're going to see this in the illustration uh, to, to follow. This would be what is called, and we, would, we would call it in, in our modern churches as undesignated giving. All right? uh, they, did not, they did not write on the check that this is only to go for, for this. I remember uh, several years ago in, in, in when I was a youth minister... And somebody came to me, they said, I believe in the work that, that you're, you're doing. And the youth man said, well, thank you, that, that's, that's great. And, I th- and he said, could you use more, more money in your budget? And, well, I mean, youth, you can always use, use more money, and you're not going to turn down money. He said, well, I'm going to designate my tithe to go to, to the youth ministry. And I said, well, I, you know, I appreciate your, your generosity, but... I, I think we should, you should not, not give your tithe to me. If you want to give above and beyond that to, for a special thing, I'm, you know, I think that, that's, that's great. But, but when we begin to designate our tithe to a specific thing, what you are telling the church is, I don't trust you to take care of my money. So what I am doing, I am going to, to give it to you, but I'm going to give it in a, in a controlling way. Even though they were found favor with, with me, that caused harm to, to the greater church. So in verse 36, we pick up the Joseph, this guy named Joseph. Who's called Barnabas? Barnabas was his his nickname. You know, Barnabas uh, uh, was uh, not his his given name. Joseph was it, and it means son of encouragement. This guy, he was a Levite, a native of Cyprus. So Barnabas was known as the encourager. You ever have a friend that that, that really you find that that greatly encourages you? I've got this guy. He's a friend of mine in, in the ministry, and I love being around him. Because when I am around him, he is so in- encouraging. He's not selfish at all. He doesn't always talk about himself. And he's always building other people up. And when I leave be- being with him, I myself feel energized and encouraged. On the flip side, there are those people, and we all have them in our lives, where you're around them, and it's like, I can't wait to, to, to leave them. <laughs> and when you leave, you just feel that you are just uh, kind of just uh, worn out. You're just beat down from beating with them. As Christians, we are called to be encouragers. The church, our churches should be known as churches of, of encouragers. Now, how, do we be encur- how are we to be an encouragement well, we do that through our, through our actions, through our attitudes, through our words. But as we're going to see here in this passage, Barnabas was an encourager because of, his, of what he gave financially. So in verse 37, we see that he sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. We continue on, but in 5.1, but a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira sold the piece of property. And with the wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, we read this and sometimes we, we think that, that Ananias and Sapphira were sinning because they did not give as much as, as uh, Barnabas did. 
We don't know if they had equal amounts of, of land or not. That's not, not given to us here. But what we see with Barnabas is he made a commitment. And when he gave, when he sold his land, he gave all of the proceeds to the church. Now, we see that with Ananias and Sapphira, they also sold their land. But what they did is they committed to give all of their land, all of the proceeds from that sale to the church as well. But they didn't do that, did they? No, they kept back some of those proceeds and only brought part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. So the, the problem isn't necessarily in how much Ananias and Sapphira gave. No, rather it was the fact that they said that they were going to give everything and they, they didn't. The sin is they, they lied. Not just to the church, but also to to, to God. So we kind of see the tale of, of two people. All right? We see the generous, and then we also see the, 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 the selfish. So Barnabas was a generous in giving everything. And a kind of an aside is interesting is, is that they, they made a commitment to the church. They, they had a plan for how they were to, to, to give. So before they sold the land, they said, you know what? When it sells, I'm going to give all of the proceeds to, to the church. They made a pledge to the church to give all that, that or part of, of that, if in some cases, um, as well. But they, they committed to the church and they followed through, which is the way to faithfully give. But we see that Ananias and his wife Sapphira did not. They were, they were hypocrites. They said one thing and they did another. To be honest, they, they, they probably would have, if it was just left up to, to human vices, they, they probably would not have ever been known that they, they gave. Maybe, you know, it happens probably today. You know, and we don't hear, keep a check. I don't know who gives what I don't, and I don't want to know. Uh, that, that's between us and God. But oftentimes our fear, we fear more of man than we fear of, of God. You know, Barnabas probably was well liked by, by others in the church because he was the encourager. Maybe Ananias and Sapphira wanted themselves to, to, to have the status of, 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 of Barnabas. So, you know what? As, as, uh, as uh, Barnabas gives, so we are too. We're going to match what, what he gives. But yet, they, they didn't follow through. And likely, people would have never known, except the Holy Spirit was in the church. Look at verse 3. But Peter said, Ananias... Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. And that the root of this problem isn't the money, God can do whatever he, he wants. He doesn't need our money to accomplish his purpose. Now the issue is, is the matter of their heart. See, Ananias and Sapphira did not have a generous heart. They had a deceitful heart. And they lied, not just to man, but to God. And they probably didn't think anybody would ever know about it. But we see there... There was punishment for their misdeeds. Verse 5, when Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. 
And great fear came upon all who, who heard of it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and they buried him. And we might say this is a pretty harsh punishment. You know, it's just a, a little, little lie. You know, and why would God strike him down dead? Now, did he, did he fall down dead, you know, as, uh, like with a lightning bolt or something? Some commentators would attribute it to, to a heart attack. Uh, to where you know he, he fell down dead, regardless of of the means, sometimes God will use earthly means to to bring to bring uh, a punishment upon us for for our our sin and it is it is a serious uh, a serious punishment, but at the same time we when we think about that we we don 't always have a, a right view of how serious our sin is one they they sinned against against God. You know, the Bible says that our sin separates us from, from God. God treats all sin equally. There are different consequences for sin, but any sin sins, uh, separates us from God and condemns us to, to hell. But now the good news is that the gospel of Christ, that through Jesus' death and resurrection, his substitutionary death, he took our place on the cross. He died the death that we deserved. We can have life. Now, based on what we can see, that Ananias and his wife Sapphira were likely believers because they were a part of, of, of the church. But because of their, their sin against God and against the church, God chose to to deal with them, and He did in a in a big in a a mighty way. Might say, does something like this happen today? You know, I, I kind of believe that in cases of of serious sin, that God does take action. Uh, I don't I'm not here to say I can't. You know, I don't have any type of prophetic knowledge that that God might might kill somebody because of of their sin, but God takes sin seriously, and what happened is. The people had great fear. We should fear God. We should have that reverent fear of respect for him. But also we should have a fear for his discipline for us. You know, my, my father, there were times where I would be disciplined. Sometimes that involved a good old-fashioned whooping. Well, I never enjoyed the pain that he gave, <laughs> you know, from the, the spanking. I was, I was more grieved by those times when he said, son, you have had disappointed me by that action. In this case, Ananias and Sapphira had the opportunity to do what was right, but they, they chose foolishly. And God, God dealt with them. His wife comes in, uh, Ananias' wife, and she was in on it as well. We read that Peter uh, confronts her about it, and, and she continues to lie, not knowing that Ananias has already been struck down dead. So she says, oh, yeah, yeah, we, 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 we gave. And he says, why did you test the spirit of, of the Lord? And he sent his punishment on her. He said, those guys that, that buried, buried your husband and I, they're standing at the door. They're going to bury you as well. And at that moment, she fell down. She fell down dead. We see this divine judgment. And a great fear came upon the whole church in verse 11. And upon all who heard these things. Interesting, the word church, this is the first time in the book of Acts that we see the word church here. It tells us that, that God loves his church. He has established his church. It is the way that he does ministry in the church and he loves it 
But at the same time, he takes it very seriously. For Ananias and Sapphira, through their sin, disrupted the unity of the church. And with serious consequences, God chose to protect that unity. Now, what does this have for us here in in 2019, sometimes we can, you know, feel like it's such a, a long time disconnected from, from us. How do we apply these words to our, to our own lives and into the life of, of our church? Well, I think there's, there's some principles that we can follow. One is that, that we should hold our worldly possessions loosely. We should hold them with a, with a kind of an open hand. Uh, we don't want to. We don't want to be uh, um, careless with our our possessions. You know, we don't want to just to let them fall out. But we should we should hold them with an open hand and allow God to use them as He sees fit. In some ways, maybe that means that 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 you do is that you you give up some of your possessions that you have and, and give that to the work of of the church. Uh, you know, regardless of what he has, God has called us to be, to be generous. Secondly, I think we should be challenged to commit to, to the Lord. We should be challenged in how we, we not only give financially, but also in how we, we give of our, of our time and, and give of the gifts, the, the, uh, the, the talents that, that God has has given us. Now sometimes when we're when we're not challenged to do something, we just kinda we kinda do the do the minimum that's required. And I don't think that's how the Christian life is to be lived. We shouldn't ask God, all right God, what's what's the the, the, the bottom line? What do you need of, of me? No, because that's not how God treated treated us. He gave us his best. He gave us his only son. And when we are not generous to the church, we are harming God's church. We are prohibiting Him to use us as He has called us to do ministry, whether that be across the street or across, across the world. We need to be, to be challenged to be generous. Sometimes that just starts with kind of knowing where we're, we're at. Because we kind of get into that mode of some kind of the status quo, just doing what we've always, always done. Maybe you've given faithfully for for a number of years, and that, that's 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 great. Uh, maybe you maybe you haven't. Maybe there's been times there's been good times where you've given, and maybe times where they get difficult. You you, you don't give as as much. The thing is with our, our giving to the church is. We're not all called to, to give the same amount. Right? You, you know what? You don't have to pay your dues in order to walk in, into the church. All right? that, that's that's not, not, how it, it's not how it works. Um, but we are called to be, to be generous. If you notice in your uh, a bulletin, uh, we, we started to, to put in kind of the, the financial giving, just a quick snapshot of, of where we are in, in, in our, our, our giving. And then there's a couple of things that, that are, are listed. One is our undesignated giving. Now, you may not even, maybe this is the first time in our church, or maybe uh, you're, you're not aware of how the church functions. Or we are a congregational church, and I firmly believe, and I believe that's what the Bible teaches. Right? That means that, that we as the church, the collective body, make decisions for how God is going to, 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 to use this, this church. 
And through that, he has appointed certain people in our church to, to kind of to, to, to do the work to help oversee that. Right, we have an amazing uh, finance committee who meets regularly. I've been encouraged in, in sitting in with, with them and to, to kind of help prepare a, a budget, looking at the needs of the different ministries that they, that they have, that we have. And, and they, 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 they work uh, hard to, to kind of come up with a, with a budget. Now, sometimes we kind of look at that in financial terms. I like to see it as a game plan, all right? You know, it, any good team has got a plan for how they are going to, to find success. And that's what our budget is. Right, we don't always hold to it with, 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 with tight, uh, tight grips, but it is a guide to help us to get where God needs us to be, to be able to do ministry. So our undesignated gifting, some people would call it our, our tithes and offerings, uh, is very important to how the church functions. Right, we, were, we, we, we need those monies to do the ministry of of the church. And so the goal that, that we as, as the church have, have, have set, and the church, everyone in, as the church voted on this, is we need about 20, a little over $2,700 a week to, to, to fulfill that, the budget needs. And as you see, we gave just about 2500 which was a pretty good month. Now in January, because we only had three services, because we had to cancel one of our services, our giving was, was down. And that is reflected in our year-to-date budget giving and, and, and need. And not a huge difference, just a little bit uh, less with that. So we're going to keep putting this in here, uh, because sometimes we, we don't know the need. We don't know what, and if you don't know what the need is, then we don't know how to, how to give to, to meet that need. And my, my challenge to us is, and I kind of shared that at the beginning of the year, making this the year of sharing, is for us to be a little more generous this year than we were last year. And I say, you know, it doesn't, that, that's different for every person. We're not kind of coming up with a, with a set number. That's between you and, and God. All right, but I want us to be more generous and to meet the needs that we have. But secondly, we see is is our uh, the, the the building loan. We still have a a loan on our 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 building. Uh, it's about two hundred and forty one thousand three hundred dollars, uh, which is not crazy amount, but it's not an insignificant amount as well. Now I've never been a part of the church before the building, but I I can't imagine how the the church did ministry with just what we have here. All right, the the fellowship hall building is a great asset to this church, uh, not just for us to enjoy with like fellowship meals like we're going to have after after worship here, but but more importantly, how we can do ministry in our in our community. I think God has gifted us this building, uh, and and so. The question we have is, how are we going to be good stewards of what God has, has given us? And talking with our, our finance committee for the last uh, several years at least, uh, uh, we uh, have, have not quite met our, our monthly, uh, monthly mortgage payment. And you can see the, the, the monthly need is $3,001.19. On average, we give roughly around $2,500 a month. Uh, to me, and you might think, how in the world do we continue to have a building if we're not making the 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 the, the, the mortgage payment? Well, through that is uh, as people have either uh, passed away or through special gifts, we have have money in a uh, kind of in the the building fund where we can pull money out of of that. And I don't think we're at a at a crisis point. Look, we've had this building since 2005 and have always made the payment. 
But I would like to, to challenge us a little, a little more. Uh, not just to, to meet the need. I think our mortgage payment is kind of the bare minimum. Right? That should be what we, we need to get to. I want us to do a little more uh, than that. And I don't think it is, it is out of the realm of possibilities. Are we going to have to sacrifice a little more? Absolutely. But we're going to, I think it will, will help us more as, as a church. My challenge to us, and I've mentioned this with the, the finance committee, is that we would increase our, our, our monthly need to $3,300. You might think, well, we haven't even been able to, to make our mortgage payment. Why should we be paying, paying more? Well, I think part of that is we just don't know what we need to hit. You know, we all, some of us have just given, or we think, well, it's, it's gone on so long. I'm not, you know, you kind of get out of the habit of giving it. And it happens. It's happened to, happens to me as well. Um, but by increasing our payment by just $300 a month, we save an entire year of our loan payment. Right now it's scheduled to, uh, to, to fulfill in, in about seven years. Uh, if we just pay $300 more a month, this is not a crazy amount of money. We would end up paying this, the, 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 the building off in one less year. You might not think about it in these terms, but right now, uh, and it changes a little bit by month, but, but in the $3,000 that we pay, almost 1000 of it goes to interest. <laughs> You know, for my real estate days, when we were at the closing table, the, the loan officer, you'd have to sign a bunch of paper, and then you get to the amortization sheet. And usually it was several pages long, because most loans are 30-year mortgages. <laughs> and almost every time the loan officer would say, don't look at the final number. Because on there, what it would show is, is one, what the principal is. So say you bought a $100,000 house, you paid $100,000 on it. But then you look at the, the interest included, and usually it is exponentially more. And I'm not saying that mortgages are, are bad. I think it's a uh, many ways it, it can be a, a positive thing. But um, I love our I love our banks and I love the people that that work there. Um, but I'd rather not give them more money than than we need to. Um, and, and, and so that's money that we could be using to do um, ministry here. And and so uh, with that said, and like I said, it's it, I, we're not at, at crisis mode at all. Uh, but I do think it's helpful to to, to kind of challenge us. And I've seen the success of our challenges. You know, with our Lottie Moon Christmas offering, it's been a few years since we've hit the goal of five thousand dollars. But what did we see this year? We got into that last week, and we were down. All right, we were down quite a bit of money, almost $1,000. But when we were challenged, we didn't just meet the obligation. We exceeded it by six, $700. That's not money. We don't do that to, to pat ourselves on the back and think, oh, how good do we do? No, we do that because there are people all across this world that apart from hearing the gospel are going to hell. We do it because we believe in the gospel. So, I just want us to, 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 to have the, the, the challenge, to hold our, our worldly possessions loosely, to be generous. See, I think there's uh, some of us here that, that with our, our, our faith, we kind of just, just do the same thing. We just kind of get into the, the, the everyday day rut. Some of us haven't fully committed to the Christian life. You know, it... Uh, if you go into a swimming pool when the, with like the, the, the gradual steps, you, you kind of take a step and oftentimes you stick your foot in the water to, to, to see if you're going to like the water, whether it's too cold or, or too hot. You know, and then if it's okay, then we take another step as well. 
And then eventually we, we get acclimated and we get all into it. I think some of us kind of treat Christianity and, and our, our faith to Jesus that, that way. It's, it's, we take a step and then we want to see if everything's going to be okay. And then if, if we like what we get, then we, we take another step. And then if everything's good there, then, then we, we get there. And, but that's not how, how the Christian life is to be, to be lived. We are to, we're to just jump in. Several years ago, I was at youth camp and uh, up at, at Cedarmore Crossings. And, and they have the blob. I don't know if any young people have been, been on the blob. But uh, it, it's for, for teenagers. They, they love the blob because they get on there and then somebody bigger than them jumps and they, they fly way up in the air. And, and, uh, and it's a fairly uh, steep uh, jump. So we had this one girl in, in our group. She was, uh, I don't know, 6th, 7th grade. Very small. Probably weighed, I don't know, 70, 80 pounds soaking wet. Well, she had all week had been asking me to, to blob her. I was the biggest of, of the group. And I reluctantly finally said, okay, I will. Not something that I was really looking forward uh, to do. Heights don't really bother me. I, mean, I, can, I don't mind being up, up high. The, the problem that I have is, is free falling. I, I just don't like, like free falling, you know. You know? Um, and, and so, but she gets up and what does she do? She just jumps right on the blob and then gets out to the edge. And then it's my turn. And I know how to blob. I've seen people, seen people do it. In fact, the, the girl at the top, which was one of my former students who is now the counselor, she was telling me, you know, what you do is you, you, you get out there and then when you jump, you stick your legs out and then kind of leans you back and then your, your backside hits the blob. And they go, so, I mean, I, I knew everything how to, how to do it. But I, I would get out to the edge and I'd stand and I'd, I didn't even have a problem like sticking my toes over it. And I looked down and I was like, I can't do this. So I back up, back up, and the pressure was on because, you know, she, the, my, the, the girl sitting out there, the, the counselor's there, and then the rest of my youth group is on the shoreline with cameras out and their phones out wanting to see me, me blah. So, I mean, the pressure was, was on. And so time and time again, I'd go to the edge and look, and then I'd think about it. All right, I've got to do this, do that, and that. And finally, it got to the point where I was just at the back of, of, the, of the platform, and I just took off running, and, and I just did it. And I'm not going to say I enjoyed it, but I did it and I hit and she blobbed and she, she loved it. See, sometimes we, we treat the, our faith as just stepping into a, a wading pool and, and then each little moment, if we, we like it, then we, we take another step. Whereas the Christian life is, is kind of like jumping off of the high platform where you just got to jump out there and trust that, that God is, is going to, to take care of you. And we do that in, in a few different ways. One, maybe you're here, you have not yet put your faith in Christ. You think, I just need to know a little bit more about him. Or maybe I'm just going to you know, see if I, if I like these Christian people enough. And if I do, then I'll, then I'll, then I'll put my faith in, in Christ. No, we are to, to jump head first into our faith with Christ. If you have not put your faith and trust in Jesus, jump in the pool. Right? Jump in the lake. Hey, don't, don't wade in. He is calling you to salvation. We also do that with our, our commitment to, to the church, with our time. You know what, we, we think, you know what, I've been coming here for a while, and, and you know what, maybe at, at some point in time I'll get around to, to joining the church or maybe be baptized in, in, in our baptistry. Hey, don't just wade in to your commitment to, to the church. Jump in head first, and I promise you, God will take care of you. But we also do it with our finances. 
Say, you know what? For me to be generous, that means that I'm going to have to to give up something else. To be honest, I don't even know if we're going to have enough money to make make ends meet. I think we should be wise and and discerning with how we we, we spend our funds. Uh, And that's... uh, that's why I think you really need to, to listen to, to, to God in that and talk that through with your, with your family. But sometimes we're, we wonder, you know what? If I give to God, am I even going to be able to, 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 to survive? And that's a real, real fear, and I, and I, and I get that. Uh, but sometimes we, we wait until we've got money left over to give. That's not what Jesus did for us. He didn't... Wait to see, you know what, if things are going to be all right. No, he, he gave his life for us so that, so that we might, might live. He gave the, the ultimate sacrifice. So what I would encourage us to do we've, with our giving is to, is to be generous and to, and to jump. Stick your feet out and, and land and, and God will take care of you. You will receive blessings. You may not receive blessings here on earth, but our reward is ultimately in heaven. Now with that, we as a church are called to be good stewards of what God has, has given us. That's why being involved in the church is important. We all have a say in, in how we, and how we use these, these funds. So we as a church need to be generous as well. Sometimes churches can become hoarders. We just get to the point where, you know what, we think it's all about us and really the church should kind of be just a pass-through. <laughs> what we get should go and then go out and, and, and do the work of, of ministry around God is inviting you to be a part of the story He is writing throughout the ages to come. He is offering salvation to you today, which is your invitation to the rescue God offers. You can embrace the rescue of God by simply admitting your need to God, asking Him to forgive you, trusting in Jesus alone to rescue you, and following Jesus Christ, the King of your life and faith from this day forward. If you would like to give your life to Jesus, go to God in prayer and confess your need for Him and that you choose to follow Him. If you have chosen to follow Jesus, please let us know. We want to continue to pray for you and to send you some resources to help you to grow in your faith. Well, I hope you enjoyed this sermon, and I look forward to seeing you in person at one of our weekly services. Could you do me a favor? Please like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash cbcmaysville and share or comment on the things that we post because it helps others to hear about Jesus. God bless.